This is a GRDC podcast. If non-wetting sand is an issue on your property, you're far from alone. There's approximately 12.5 million hectares of sandy soil deemed at risk of water repellents across southern and western grain-growing regions. My name is Hilary Sims, and in this podcast, we'll provide comprehensive insight on soil wetter combinations and seeding strategies that can give you the greatest chance of cereal crop establishment in severely water repellent sands. This information is based on the latest research findings from two field trials held in 2018 and 2019 in severely repellent sands at Murlong on South Australia's Eyre Peninsula. It's all part of a wider research project on mitigating sandy soil constraints being led by the CSIRO and made possible through GRDC investment. Dr Jack Debiol is part of the project and works for the Agricultural Machinery Research and Design Centre at the University of South Australia. I spoke with Jack at the 2020 Grains Research Update event in Adelaide. And to start us off, Jack gives us the background of soil wetter use in broadacre cropping. These uh, soil wetters have been used um for a long time, essentially uh, appearing since the 1950s. Uh, typically, they've been used in other industries, such as the turf industries, to try and uh, get better coverage of the, the surface um, uh, for golf courses, etc. Um, in broadacre situation, these products have been um, tried for a while. Uh, the, um, the evidence for us on the ground, talking to farmers, is that many farmers have tried many different weathers over time and have abandoned them because of the lack of reliable results. Very much erratic uh, in terms of whether or not they'll work and they're very hard to predict why or so they work or why they don't work. So um, the, the, the chemistries are quite um, different. A lot of intellectual properties lie around also the, the details of what chemistry uh, is in, that, in the particular product. Uh, but essentially um, they, they have uh, two key properties. Uh, one is called surfactant and one is called humectant. So one helps the penetration of the product or the water, if you like, through the, 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 the soil matrix. And the other one helps to retain that water that's um, uh, penetrated uh, to make sure it stays within the seed zone and available to the, the seedling. So the two properties are, are really key and a modern weather these days ha- has um, essentially both properties. Um, if we look at the, um, the range of products available, uh, the cost varies a lot. Uh, the recommendations as to how they should be applied varies a lot as well. So in our trial, we, we've looked at a, a range of types of chemistries, location within the, the ferro, etc., and to see if we could uh, essentially get a, a bit of a baseline uh, assessment for, for selection of products and, and see what range we get of responses we're getting and potentially see if there are patterns across uh, seasons uh, and then from there we can potentially move to um, optimise some of the better products. Talk me through a bit of the experimental design or the plot layout from this experiment. Okay, so the the trials were established in a uh, uh, grazed uh, uh, barley stubble. Uh, essentially the conditions then was the stubble was pretty much laid um, down and trampled over. Uh, lots of uh, footprints as well, which meant that um, since the, the trials we've been uh, implementing have been done after the opening rains, so this was not a dry sowing uh, condition. Essentially, there'd be a, in that first year we had a little bit of a better wetting, uh, and we established the, the plots uh, in the first year uh, that way with the different treatments of soil waders compared to a no weather control. 
In the second year, we came back on the same plots, establishing the same weather treatment, uh, but this time uh, under an intero-sowing configuration. So the, the crop in uh, the second year was established between the stubble rows of the previous year. And that gave us essentially um, control over any uh, potential um, uh, residual effect that some of the chemistry, chemistries might have from one year to the next. Um, the, um, we had two very different seasons, the 2018 and 2019 were, were very different seasons, although they both were very low, below average sort of rainfall. Uh, the first season suffered from a lot of uh, drift and erosion, which ended up uh, backfilling all the farrows, and we, we didn't get uh, a very good impact of water harvesting from these farrows for very long. This was uh, quite different in year two, um, where we had the, these furrows lasting well into the season, and essentially uh, were able to provide us with good water harvesting capacity. And uh, we'll see that this, I believe, was um, the source of the differences in levels of results of responses we got between uh, the first and the second season. And what have you found in terms of crop establishment results? So what we, we did was to uh, look at uh, a snapshot uh, assessment at five weeks after sowing. Uh, for, so first the control, the no weather controls gave us a good idea as to how bad the repellents was. The establishment was very poor. We're talking in the range of 20 to 50 plants per square meter. Uh, and um, what we found is that um, there were weathers, uh, essentially eight weathers out of 13 that had no significant impact early on at five weeks whereas the, uh, the other six um, weathers um, remaining had a very significant impact. The impact we found was up to 60 plants per square meter uh, established on top of the control. So that's um, essentially a, a better germination and establishment first up uh, over the five weeks. Uh, what was interesting as well is that over the two uh, seasons, uh, we found that the same products that perform best, um, essentially in the first season, perform best also in the second season. So that was an encouraging sign for us to be able to, to be able to recommend some of the products essentially as better suited to that water repellent site. Have there been any standout treatments? Yes, so we found that uh, the seed zone applied weathers. Um, in this case, we use two chemistries. One is called uh, Range Rover. The other one is SC14 actually performed quite well and significantly so and uh, reliably so over the two seasons and we found that also four uh, combinations uh, combination placement weathers out of six or so perform well so essentially these were a fur surface uh, weather applied uh, behind the press wheel and also uh, applied in a seed zone so either two different products to contrast uh, two very different type of properties uh, as i mentioned before surfactant on the surface and humectant in a seed zone uh, or the same product but split 50% uh, on uh, surface and 50% below. So the, typically the, um, the combination placements are not the first um, choice for farmers because that implies a higher cost, potentially a higher cost if you have two products, but also it implies double uh, volume of application. So these trials were done at 100 litres per hectare just to make sure we had sufficient um, uh, volume behind uh, but obviously this aspect can be optimized so for a dual placement uh, treatment this means 200 litres per hectare. What were the grain yield results across both years and did you think it was encouraging? Yes yeah, so like again the the yield results were very significant so if we if we look at um, in terms of um, economics uh, how much returns the farmer 
uh, might have been able to achieve. So we've looked at a return on investment, essentially the extra uh, yield over two years, 2018-2019, that was wheat in 2018 and barley in 2019. So return on investment was uh, ranged between um, around uh, $3 per dollar spent up to more than $10 return on investment per dollar spent. Uh, what was interesting is that if we then uh, look at the actual the, the actual profit per um, non-wedding sand hectare, um, the um, the the higher the treatments that gave us the higher return on in, on investment actually weren't the ones that gave us the highest profitability. So they, essentially, what it means is if you spent more, you could actually get uh, more um, profit uh, as well as um, uh, essentially maximizing your um, your return on investment. So the, the, the return, uh, essentially the, the profit per, per hectare range between $40 over the two year period per, per, per hectare. Again, it's per sandy soil hectare, the non-wedding hectares. Uh, doesn't have to be the, the whole farm. And uh, the, the maximum uh, profit, uh, we got around about $260 per hectare over the two year period. So this uh, shows that these investments potentially can be quite um, profitable. Uh, these numbers obviously assume that the farmer already has the um, hardware um, to um, apply the weathers. So essentially the, 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 the liquid system dispensing system uh, already on the, on, the, on the machine and no extra uh, investment is required. What uh, we can say is that these trials were done under optimum conditions where everything was controlled well and we had the best gear to do, to do that. So there's essentially there will be a, a paddock efficiency factor to add on to that. So essentially how much of that uh, maximum we've, um, we've, uh, that was obtained in, under trial condition, how much of that can be achieved in paddock situation. And that remains to be, um, to be seen in the future work. What would you say were the main learnings from this data? What could growers take out of it? Well, you know, the, um, the surprise for us is that um, we found a very different picture of results uh, at harvest time. So whatever the picture was at five weeks after sowing, this is the first um, obvious sign of the, 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 the performance, essentially the, the impact of the weather, and that's very important. Uh, we found that the better weathers early on essentially ended up with very good um, yield response. So they kept going and, and maximized the yield response. But we found two very different uh, responses between the two seasons. In the first season where we didn't have these uh, furrow um, uh, sort of um, staying intact and that they were backfilled over time, so we didn't get the water harvesting effect, we found that only a few of these uh, initial uh, weathers essentially gave us a... Um, a significant yield response. We had, uh, I think, five waiters out of 13 that ended up giving us significant response, which was r relatively minimal, like up to 0.2 ton per hectare. That was for wheat, on, on top of a uh, control yield of one ton per hectare. Uh, but in uh, year two, and with a barley crop, uh, about the same 1.1 ton per hectare control yield, we had very significant responses from all waiters. So the 13 waiters, which only, only six of which gave us uh, an early impact, visible impact at five weeks, actually in the end gave us a significant yield response. Minimum yield response was 0.5 tons per hectare, whereas the maximum was 1.1 ton per hectare. So quite a significant range as well. Uh, and again, like the better weathers early on gave us the, 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 the maximum yield response. 
But um, this, I believe, was because we, we had uh, the ferro uh, integrity kept over the season. So these ferro were kept open, water harvesting, and making the, 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 max, the, the most of essentially uh, the rainfall that fell. Have, having said that, 2019 was a desal one season. Uh, growing season rainfall was about 174 millimeters. And uh, despite that, with the water harvesting uh, effect, we actually grew um, crops in excess of 2.2 uh, tons, 2.4 tons uh, in the best treatment. So th this, I think, has been interesting. It seems to me that um, to make weathers work, we actually need to have that water harvesting uh, effect combined. So having a seeding system that is able to achieve that, um, to me, is likely to be critical. We had seen signs, anecdotal evidence in the past in other trials that this was the case. I think we probably will look at demonstrating perhaps um, best practice beside some of the lesser practice where compromises might be uh, essentially generating a loss in, uh, in response. We'll move on now to the CEDA strategy evaluation trial. What was this specific trial aiming to achieve? So the, um, the CEDA strategy trial essentially aims to look at how the different um, options available to farmers at seeding time perform and also com can combine to essentially um, increase that performance. So soil waders were part of that, but we also looked at um, depths of ferro tillage. So essentially how deep the opener goes into the ground aiming to lift uh, moist soil up into the seed zone, a uh, process uh, we refer to as moisture delving, and to in order to make sure there's more moisture available around the seed to maximize that germination, and uh, also the combination of the two. Um, we also looked at um, whether or not separating fertilizer from the seeds uh, was had a significant impact. It, it's common practice in many areas to put a little bit of starter fertilizer with the seeds, Essentially, in very dry environment, very marginal moisture situations, uh, that fertilizer will actually compete with seeds for, for moisture. So, uh, and that can create toxicity issues uh, and, and have a big impact on uh, reducing crop establishment. Uh, we looked at also row location. So, uh, whether or not we go inter row or edge row or also on row uh, as a strategy to access uh, moisture that is. Uh, that was identified as being greater under the stubble row. So all of these form uh, the options that farmers might have at seeding time. An additional one was to look at a different opener a star, so looking at a, an inverted T opener compared to the knife point that is more standard, essentially as a means to um, increase the amount of soil lifted from depth into the seed zone to maximize the impact of that moisture delving. And the last option we looked at as well was uh, paired row seeding where uh, the, the seeds are split uh, sideways uh, on both sides of the slot of the furrow uh, and essentially aiming to place seeds on an undisturbed ledge. And, and that undisturbed ledge typically means uh, greater uh, access to moisture for germination. This uh, works when we are able to put seeds onto a moist ledge and not a dry ledge. So we actually um, uh, looked at this option uh, as a edge row or on row uh, uh, option for, for this particular case of water repellent sand. Tell me a little bit about the design and the setup of the trial plots. We use small uh, plot trials uh, uh, and only uh, had a one season of results. But uh, these trials were, were essentially implemented on existing uh, plots that had been established the year before uh, as dummy plots. These were sown using uh, precision guidance, uh, RTK 
accuracy, so it's two centimeter accuracy to make sure we had the, the ability the, the year after to come back and position the cedar exactly where we want it to be uh, in relation to the stubble row and, and be able to implement that inter-row, edge-row or on-row sowing uh, uh, strategy. Um, so these uh, are small plots, essentially six row uh, wide at uh, 11 inch or 28 centimeter spacing. And uh, we use two types of seeding systems. Um, these were tine-based seeding system, so a knife point, double shoot uh, type seeding system, placing seeds in the center of the row. And this was used to do inter-row sowing and on-row sowing. And for the edge-row sowing configuration, we used a side-bending uh, system where the, the opener is offset uh, to one side and the seeds are delivered onto a, a ledge. Uh, the same for a paired row where this uh, same sort of uh, side um, separation essentially occurs on both sides of the opener. The last uh, treatment we uh, in included in this trial as well was the soil weather. Uh, this uh, was the best weather that we found across the two years of the previous trial we talked about. Um, and we placed that weather in the um, seed zone. So this was the SC14. Uh, product and we applied that at three liters per hectare. So these were the tools that we used and we looked at their performance um, alone but also in combinations in various ways. Now in terms of establishment what were the results? Were there standout examples of cedar strategies that worked well? So look we had very uh, large uh, responses again. Um, the biggest responses were uh, essentially responses to deep furrow tilling. So being able to bring up moisture from depths into the seed zone had a major impact. So for instance, um, when we looked at inter sowing on its own, we had a premature crop failure uh, on an establishment of less than 10 plants per square meter. If we added that weather, uh, we went up to uh, 30 to 40 plants per square meter. So a significant improvement, but not quite enough to call it um, successful. But if we combined the um, deep furrow tilling to, again, the depths of 220 or 230 millimeters, with the soil weather, we actually shot up right up to 110 plants per square meter. So really well within the range of the targeted um, establishment that uh, we would be seeking at this particular site. We obtained very similar responses uh, in under edge row and on row sowing. So essentially, um, we found that um, on row sowing was better than edge row sowing, which was much, much better than inter row sowing. So that location it in itself without waders or without any furrow, deep furrow tilling was uh, very significant. And um, where we found um, some extra benefits was by using uh, inverted T opener and uh, on-row sowing to try and maximize the amount of moisture uh, lifted from, from uh, depths. Otherwise, uh, essentially, uh, uh, some benefits of waders uh, also on edge-row sowing, so very strong uh, significant effect there, uh, but no effect on-row on sowing. So this is quite um, normal, I would say, quite expected, because there's enough moisture in, uh, in the furrow already, so adding a wader there didn't help. But uh, where we are just marginal going edge row, uh, edge row sowing, so having a weather there helped a lot and added an extra 40 plants per square meter. So it made the system much more um, uh, stable, I guess, because the, uh, the, the success of edge row sowing is very, very dependent upon how accurate we are in terms of location on the edge of the row and 
very quickly we can be too far uh, from the row and have an impact on crop establishment. So the, the soil weather there is helping us to mitigate against that. Did you measure the grain yield for this also? What were some of the impacts on yield that you observed through the trial? Yes, yeah, so uh, at this trial as well, the uh, grain yield correlated very strongly with established plant density. So wherever we had a very strong improvement in uh, plant density, um, we had a very strong yield response. So uh, again, the control there on row, uh, sorry, inter-row sowing was a very poor crop at 0.6 ton per hectare. Um, when uh, adding the um, deep furrow tilling with weather, uh, this went up to more than 2.1 ton per hectare. So very, very drastic improvement there. Uh, again, the, uh, the improvements from uh, sowing on row uh, and sowing edge row relative to sowing inter row uh, was reflected in the grain yield responses. So again, the edge row uh, was, uh, I think, yielded at about 1.5 ton and the on-row yielded at uh, about uh, two ton per hectare. So a very significant uh, response to just the location of the, um, of the farrow without even looking at waders or deep farrow tilling in this case. Uh, again, so the, these um, different strategies, when we combine them, we, we can again increase the, um, the yield response. So for, for instance, the um, edge row sowing plus wader plus deep farrow tilling um, lifted the yield from 1.4 um, to uh, to, uh, to 1.9 ton per hectare, so an extra 0.5 ton per hectare under edge row sowing as well. And another interesting uh, sort of result we found was that the paired row sowing, which had established very well uh, sowing on row, uh, really uh, was very vigorous uh, throughout the season and then um, pretty much topped up the, the yield uh, response at the site with a maximum yield at 2.4 ton per hectare. This, this is barley. And, and again, uh, pretty much consistent with what some of the results in the West have shown and also previous work done showing that paired row sowing is actually um, uh, a way to optimize grain yield on many of the cereal crops. But again, uh, this is under control conditions, so how much of that range we can actually achieve um, in the paddock is going to be the focus of the next trials and demonstrations. How do you see the widespread adoption of this research playing out? I think uh, we will need to do two things. Uh, one is to validate these uh, results in more soil types, more research plots, and we will look at doing some of that in the SMLE um, sort of this coming year. Um, but uh, mainly demonstrations on uh, using full-size machines and, uh, and perhaps uh, very selected treatments. So, uh, and, and also these treatments need to fit uh, the context. So where, where you have a large paddock with very limited areas of non-wetting sands, re you really need to have a, an option demonstrated that essentially is able to be switched on and off or adjusted, adjusted to, to, um, to, to be an input into that particular non-wetting sand area. Uh, if you can do that, then potentially it's something that is practical enough for farmers to adopt. If it's uh, going to be time-wasting at seeding time, it's going to be going against adoption. So it needs to be practical and easy um, to adopt and very clear uh, benefits as well as, as the incentives. That was Dr. Jack Debiol from the University of South Australia. Jack was speaking about the latest cedar-based approaches to reduce the impact of water repellents. Jack's GRDC update paper provides a comprehensive overview of the trials and findings from this project. 
and a link to the update paper can be found in the description box of this podcast, with more information available online at grdc.com.au. I'm Hilary Sims. Thanks for listening.